Good afternoon and welcome to LLC Chat, the Language Learning Center's new podcast on issues related to world languages from the perspective of students, faculty, and community members. I'm your host, Kelsey, and we come to you from the Department of World Languages and Cultures at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Today we are discussing the use of telecollaborative conversations using Talk Abroad and ePortfolios as an integrative learning practice. I'm joined today by Dr. Slater, who teaches French at Old Dominion University. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I just have a few questions for you. My first question, would you please introduce yourself for the brief background to your expertise, language, and interests? Yes. So my name is Lee Slater. and. Um, I think my journey with French began way back in preschool. I went to a Montessori preschool in Massachusetts and we were taught by Canadian nuns. So that was an introduction into both world cultures and French. Um, I later completed a master's degree in French at NYU in Paris and then a PhD in French studies at Brown University. Um, let's see, I've lived in France for a total of six years. But my research, at least my most recent research, is in Rwanda, which is partly French-speaking. Here at ODU, I teach um, all levels of French, and um, I also direct the World Cultural Studies program, where I teach classes such as uh, human rights in world cultures, and a fairly new course that I'm teaching this fall in global communications. Interesting. Um, how's the global communications course? How does that go? All right, I am super excited about this class. I taught a pilot version of it last semester, and now I'm getting ready to teach the, the, the full version. But um, in that class, what we work on is developing skills for uh, that students can apply to any career. So they're um, cross-cultural communication skills where we look at case studies, and students from here in the United States learn how to negotiate and solve problems with, um, potential employers or potential uh, colleagues in, from other countries, whether in um, China or Italy or Senegal. And uh, we have a list of guest speakers from those countries coming in throughout the semester and to work with students on um, learning how to read the room in terms of cultural implications and uh, in, in problem solving and in working together each student in this class also does a service learning project. And I had a student last semester, um, she was an official online volunteer for the UN. And she did a, uh, she developed a social media platform for them. Um, it was a nonprofit in Zimbabwe and they needed some exposure via social media to help raise funds to end um, um, just practices like child marriage and, and uh, other, other issues of social justice. So that class is just really great because the students learn theory, but also they get their feet wet in terms of practice with cross-cultural communication. Wow, that sounds like a great class. <laughs> I wanna take that one. 
Um, so I have another question for you. Thanks to several LLC grant funded research studies, the World Languages and Cultures Department has been making telecollaborative conversations with Talk Abroad a standard part of the curricula since 2016. Can you explain how you use this for your French courses? Yes, um, I think Talk Abroad is perhaps the biggest pedagogical gift that our department has received uh, since I've been at ODU. <clears throat> and I really wanna thank uh, Director Betty Rose Facer for bringing this to our attention, for the implementation of this, uh, the grants that she's worked on in order to allow our students to access this great platform. Um, I use Talk Abroad in all of my French classes. So from beginning levels up to the, um, the civilization course that, that you took. And, you know, here's the thing. Students, it, it takes a lot of courage to do a Talk Abroad conversation, a lot. And you know, you're, you're forced into this conversation with a partner from elsewhere in the world, and you, know, you, you, you match up with the partner, and then you spend 30 minutes uh, conversing, whether it's some certain topic-based or whether it's an open conversation, it depends on the class and the assignment. Um, but when students tell folks that they did this, that they had this experience, everyone understands the courage that it takes. Everyone understands that this student really stepped up and did this and completed it and had that kind of immersive experience in the language uh, that you just can't get from textbook learning. So um, in the lower levels, the students practice things like vocabulary and uh, basic verb um, conjugations and structures and, and just general communicative skills at a basic level. But in the upper levels, they have to negotiate things like um, complex conversations about maybe politics or about social media use in whether in Morocco, French-speaking Morocco or French-speaking Senegal or, or in Paris or in Canada. And so students have to not only be pretty fluent in terms of the technical language to talk about things like politics or social media, but they have to be able to also ask someone questions about those things in their culture and then respond based on the responses from their their partner so it gets a little bit tricky at, at the high levels and um i'm just really proud of our students because they jump in it's definitely an experience <laughs> i remember feeling so nervous about mine um but i was so lucky to have a great partner who was so open and welcoming um so would you discuss some of the student learning outcomes how has their motivation been affected well, in, I ask students to write reflections afterwards because that always helps me design the assignments for the next semester. Uh, the more I can understand about the, the student's experience, the better I can tailor it to maximize the efficiency of the, of the assignment. And <clears throat> at the upper levels, it's funny because I'm looking for things like uh, language control. I'm looking for um, fluency. You know, gaps in speech, et cetera. I'm looking for vocabulary, uh, wide, you know, long, long, long lists of vocabulary. But I'm also looking for things like preparation. Has the student really done some homework in terms of um, getting ready for this conversation and maybe anticipating responses? Uh, and so I'm looking for a certain cultural fluency as well as cultural preparation as they go into this, um, this conversation. Again, I'm talking about the, the upper levels there. But at all levels, I hear this one thing which is that students sort of go into it with a bubble of maybe, you know, 
10 vocabulary words or 10 expressions or something that are, that's their go-to list. And they respond, you know, as we all do, because it's comfortable, we respond with what we know. And, and so encouraging students to take risks, that's another outcome that I look for, is just having them just try to get outside of that go-to bubble of safe words, you know? Right. Yeah, and, and, and just reach a little bit. The, um, the, you know, talk about, talk abroad does a great job training their, um, training their, the, the conversation partners in different places around the world. So those folks, it's not just, you know, random college students or random young professionals. These are folks who have been trained to meet students where they are linguistically and to help them work through awkward pauses or gaps or miscommunications in a way that's not threatening. You know, it's, a, it's more of a kind of a gentle kind of let's lead you through the conversation. And they have this feature that you know, which is um, if, and this happens a lot at the lower levels, if something just isn't coming across, you know, it's a, it's an, maybe it's a, more of a slang or maybe it's a, a faster way of saying something or an inversion of a question or something that students, you know, they, they know the standard, but uh, they're, they're not getting this other version of the same question. And so what the partners do is they'll type it out in a, in a chat. And that puts students at ease right away because then they can read the question and, and they've got this extra tool there and then it helps them to move on. So the, the training is phenomenal. It is. I spoke to uh, Todd Nichols, the CEO of TalkBrad, and he was saying they go through like a three month training period and not just on tech problems, but, you know, getting through conversations and difficult questions and things like that, how to navigate those kind, when topic, when conversations go that way, how to navigate it back to course. So it's really interesting that you said that. I had no idea it was that extensive. I, I witnessed the, you know, the result of it, but I had no idea that it was that long. I think, um, you know, for you and other really great students in the language, it might be fun for you to be trained and do talk abroad as an English native speaker. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's something I'll consider for sure. That's kind of nerve wracking, but I'm fun. I'm fine oh, to step out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, so as part of that same uh, grant research, ePortfolio-based pedagogy was introduced and students are making their own websites as part of your class. Can you explain more about the ePortfolios? Sure. Uh, there, you know, because I teach French, but also different World Cultural Studies courses, I, I use ePortfolios differently in every class. And in my French classes, um, I think at least in terms of what the students have had to say, one of the most effective um, tools for them in terms of ePortfolios was the ability to go back and listen to their conversations. So they archive their conversations and their reflections in an ePortfolio. And then when they go back and listen to their conversations, they end up saying things like, oh my gosh, it, I didn't sound as bad as I thought. Like it sounded much better than how it felt live. That was my reaction for sure. <laughs> so the confidence alone that that promotes is huge because then the second conversation and the third conversation are going to be much more comfortable for the student because you really realize that you're pretty good. Uh, 
the, the other, you know, great advantage to ePortfolios is that students can go back and look at this archived work and have something to present when it comes to applying for jobs. Uh, again, I think every employer, when that employer or, or grad school understands the concept of talk abroad, and they can see the archived conversations and reflections, they will understand the courage that it took and that this really did take a, a presence of mind on the part of the student. And so I think it speaks to the, the sense of self of the student overall and um, the pride in the student's work when they have any portfolio, this kind of curating of the self and, and that points to the student's ability to jump in and really create positive contributions to their, to their grad school work or to their jobs. E-portfolios are, are um, invaluable. I use them also in my human rights class. Students in that class uh, focus on cultural representations of human rights violations, but also human rights advocacy, like protests and things. And so for their e-portfolios, they have to think very critically about how they're going to tell the story, for example, in their final project of human rights violations. So maybe they'll choose something like the fast fashion industry, or maybe they'll choose something like genocide or um, uh, the role of poetry in protest movements. And so when they, when they create their final project and they present it, they have to think very carefully about uh, the dangers and the responsibilities when you're telling someone else's story of trauma, for example. Mm -hmm. And so the ePortfolio provides a very interesting practical space for students to, again, practice what they're, what they're learning in theory. Um, so you've pretty much answered my last question about um, student reflections and how that's added to your understanding of how they process their learning of a world language. But was there anything else that you wanted to say or did you have any questions for me? Well, uh, I think in terms of talk abroad, there's this key to helping students um, get comfortable. And, and, and this is something, a technique that the facilitators use, which is to find a common point of interest. And so the talk about conversations that I find the most successful are the ones where students are talking about things like, you know, they're going through sort of the official assignment questions. You know, maybe they need to use the subjunctive. I don't know. Maybe they need to talk about politics. But, but in the end, the best thing is when they find this point of connection and they talk about things like anime, you know, Japanese anime. Or I've got students who are big gamers. And so they find that these other students halfway across the world are also work, you know, playing these same games. And, and really that's what I think all these things are about. It's about um, connection with others. And it's about, again, kind of cultivating confidence and a sense of self and archiving that and then applying it to future jobs and uh, careers. That was wonderful that you brought up so many great points and I really appreciate your time and the experiences you've shared. Um, I just want to say that I, your class was the first one that I had to do a talk abroad for. I was very, very nervous, of course, but it did bring that boost of confidence, especially um, when I spoke to my partner and we ended up 
going towards that point of connection, the similarities and we spoke about philosophy and Thanksgiving and all these random things, but it just, it brought it, you're right. It does bring that, that connection to somebody across the world, sharing something with them that you wouldn't even think about. Yeah. I think that fear factor initially is such an inhibitor. And once you get past that, once that melts away to the, you know, and it, in part, thanks to the skill of the facilitators, but also to your courage, uh, once that melts away and those connections can happen, that really does simulate uh, the experience that you would have if you were in France or if you were in, you know, in another French-speaking country, for example. And so I think it's just invaluable uh, for the future. It really is. And it's wonderful that we can continue doing it remotely. <laughs> it's built for that. Yes, this has opened up some new worlds. Just Zoom alone, talk abroad. Uh, and, you know, they're not replacements for going abroad, but they're a great step in that direction. Uh, and, and they're a great, um, you know, way for us to stay connected even in these times, which are a little bit challenging. It's, mm -hmm. it's great to talk to you and to see you via Zoom. I love it. This has been super fun. I know. I miss you. I want to um, chat with you soon. So. Sounds great. I got so much to talk about. That sounds great. Well, I'm here. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me. Um, I will see you around. Kelsey, you're a superstar. Good luck with everything, and I'll talk to you soon. Listeners, I wanted to give a special thanks to Kishibashi for allowing us to play his song Marigolds in our podcast. Check him out on your preferred music listening platform. I also want to thank each of you, our listeners, for tuning into our podcast and for showing an interest in world languages and cultures. Happy listening! I